Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show today, whether you're doing it on cnjradio.com or whether you're subscribed and leaving a star rating and review on iTunes and never missing one single episode. Thank you, especially everybody who does that. All right, it's time for yet another guest here on Rock Strikes 10. If you're a longtime friend of the show, you'll know this guy. He's been on the show a couple of times already. First by uh, doing, was on an episode last year where we talked about story songs. And he was on just a few months ago to do his Desert Island list, or as he liked to call it, the Turkish Prison List. Yes, Loose Cannon of Cobras and Fire is returning to Rock Strikes 10 this week. So we're going to get into our conversation here just as a, a quick intro to the intro. Uh, it was something I really wanted to do and I, I thought about it earlier in the year. An album that I actually uh, hold pretty near and dear is uh, Guns N' Roses' Spaghetti Incident record. And it's not a massively heralded album in their catalog. Also being a cover album, but I gotta say, uh, at the impressionable age that I was when this album did come out, it got me into a lot of cool bands that I'd only heard about prior to hearing this record, and it really sent me on a really great musical journey, so I really wanted to pay tribute to this album, because it's actually 25 years old here, uh, as long as 2018 is still going on, and we just have a few weeks left in it, but I didn't want to let the 25th anniversary go for the Spaghetti Incident without paying tribute, and of course, the best possible thing we could do is to actually play the originals, the songs I heard later on because of the Spaghetti Incident, Loose Cannon being a perfect fit for being on this episode, I couldn't get Baco, unfortunately, he's really hard to pin down, but I love you Baco, and I know you're going to be on the show soon. Not much else to intro here before we get to our conversation, but I did want to give you a little programming note. It's not the best sound quality in the world, but I got to give a ton of credit to Loose. He recorded this episode, and he did the best he could as far as cleaning it up before he sent it over to me. So uh, it's all on me. Any of the sound complaints, just send over to me because it's on my end. Uh, the recording on my end, as far as phone conversations, is is not that great. Sometimes my reception is terrible and I'm kind of limited in some of the technology. So this is on me. I'm doing the best I can here. But hey, it's free, right? And you get what you pay for. <laughs> but yeah, what, what better way to pay tribute to a punk rock album than to have a very punk rock type production, right? Yes, okay. And I'll come back and yak a little bit once uh, this conversation is finished. But for now, enjoy our fun banter and the songs that maybe you haven't heard these versions before. So sit back, relax, and have fun, and I'll see you at the end. Thanks for listening, friends. Mr. Luce Cannon, I want to thank you for returning to Rock Strikes 10, in short fashion, too, by the way. That's right. We've sent a lot of each other. Uh, you're, you're a man. They've had a, a nice, solid relationship. I think we've taken it to the next level in 2018. Would you agree? Uh, we're, we're definitely not, you know, uh, so much side pieces for each other anymore. It's kind of a steady thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's second base. You've got your, you've definitely put your hand on my knee and, uh, yes. and, uh, well, I don't know exactly what second base involves, but I would definitely from a, from a man, uh, a bro down. That's where we're at. Oh, bro down. All right. And uh, now we're officially in a podcast 69. We're literally recording a rock <laughs> Uh, and a Cobras and Fire episode today, from what I understand. Well, I, I, I do have to say that this might this has already gone sideways, possibly more than the Turkish Prison uh, album episode. Yeah. My goodness. So, 
So, uh, as we like to do on these particular kind of shows, we don't really get into things that are so obvious. And I, I kind of noticed that there was nobody celebrating the 25th anniversary of a particular album. And it kind of bothered me, actually. So, I wanted to show it some love. I figured you were the best person to have on to give some love to this unheralded. As you, would you still say this is perfectly rated, this album? I think so. I think it's perfectly rated. Okay. But yeah. it, it, it's near and dear to my heart, and it's the spaghetti incident by Guns N' Roses. Oh, yeah. Can I explain the perfectly rated thing of why I think it is, though? Just to give people yeah, an idea. They right heard it. Okay, so perfectly rated can be both negative and positive. Like, Guns N' Roses' success overall is perfectly rated. They have the talent. They've got the stage presence, all those things. Same with Van Halen. But then you've got other bands like Tesla that are also perfectly rated because they're their appeal could only go so far for multiple reasons. One of them being obsessed with radio controversies um, and th- things like that. So I say the Guns N' Roses spaghetti incident is perfectly rated because it wasn't, I think, what their audience was really looking for, per se. And maybe people didn't like the punk. You, you tell me, but I think it was as, as successful as it could have been. And I, But I do like it. I'm just saying in culture, I think it's per- perfectly rated. Yeah, and bands would kill for like these kind of certifications now. I mean, it at least went platinum, I would think. Oh, even yeah. a couple of times. Well, so, like, but like judging it by appetite numbers or even illusion numbers, it definitely falls short. But once again, a, a nice problem to have for a band. Yeah, and I mean, twenty fifth anniversary of that. I mean, that's not as important as the thirty seventh anniversary of the Elder, of course. <laughs> yeah, but you know, blew up my feed yesterday. <laughs> uh, or like over the over the weekend for sure. That's and not you I, don't do the, the it's either it's either tw- fifteen twenty you don't do the uh, in betweens. Yeah. That's not an anniversary. Yeah, you Come know, on. we can make all the thirty seven jokes we want and have. Yeah. Um, so do with it, do with that what you want. But the spaghetti incident is near and dear to my heart because you know I probably uh, took the similar journey that you did in the sense of how Guns and Roses affected me and how big on the cultural radar they were, not just for myself, but my friends, and even people that weren't rock and roll fans. They put this record out, and I listened to it right when it came out, and I actually didn't even know what the structure of this album was going to be. I knew that there were some covers on there, but I didn't realize it was going to be all covers. How about you? Um... I think I did. I think I read in our articles or, or whatnot or the promo leading up to it. But, uh, I mean, we can analyze a couple of reasons why I think it was unsuccessful. Or not unsuccessful yeah. in, in relation to everything. One of them is, you know, cover albums only go so far as far yeah. as that. So I don't think that they expected it to do even Lies uh, numbers as, as an EP. But um, I right. think a lot of it had to do with... Uh, I guess they're saying spaghetti is in just a big mess of things. The album cover is kind of stupid. What does it even yeah, mean? Stupid album cover. Stupid album cover, and it's an end joke from you know the band's history, which you know only the most hardcore hardcore fans are going to get that reference. I don't get it. So tell me what that is. So the spaghetti is actually more of a, a metaphysical spaghetti, if you will. Although uh, any starving artist. Uh, in their refrigerator will have some sort of pasta in there because pasta is cheap. It's affordable. It fills you up. Sure. And, uh, and if you're Steven, so, Ad- if you're Steven Adler, you, uh, you 
add a little bit of spice, a little meth spice. Yeah, exactly. So basically Adler was known uh, for hiding his stashes uh, <laughs> next to uh, takeout containers of Italian food and homemade Italian food. Really? So, oh, I wasn't even going you know, there. I was just making a joke. <laughs> okay. So that's where he hid yeah. the stuff. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so it was either next to it or even he would go so far as to put it in it or at the bottom of it or what have you. And so there you go. It's literally a joke about a member who was already fired. So it's very much insult to injury at that point. <laughs> I was going to say. It's kind of a dick move. I think that also had to do with, I remember specifically in a RIP magazine, which was the best magazine. You know, I love Metal Edge, but Rip always had the great quotes because, you know, Mon didn't really edit out a lot of uh, crazy quotes in his uh, magazine and actually even said, I had to give that motherfucker a fifth of our publishing uh, due to his lawsuit. And he didn't write one note, you know. So he was very bitter about Steven at this time. So it's probably an actual call for sure. No, what wasn't? (laughs) Yeah, and not that the other guys weren't probably on board with this because... Hey man, if you're losing money, you know they were all losing money because of Stephen because of that lawsuit. So it definitely affected all of them. Sure. So, and I'm sure everybody's on their second divorce at this point. You know, some first, some seconds. But I, I think going back to the failure of the album initially. So they basically there's three singles out for this, and the one that's released to radio in advance is "Ain't It Fun," which I I love "Ain't It Fun." Oh my god. That is a isn't that an original though? No, it is not. It is uh, it's Rocket from the Tombs is the band that originally did that, and it became a little more famous being recorded by the Dead Boys later on. But I'll get into that as we get into the songs. Yeah, okay. But I think the fact that the the lone video and they were such a video band, and not that this is a bad video or song, but I just think since I don't have you was a wrong choice to go with oh, for the video. Yeah. Big time. I love it. I like that song very much. Yeah. It, but it's not a single. Yeah, me too. And we're actually not including it uh, here on the Rock Strikes 10 episode, and not because I don't love it. Once again, it's because there's 13 songs officially on this album, and if you count the ghost track, uh, which we're leaving off the ghost track, and we're leaving off Since I Don't Have You, because honestly, yes, we're going to go with style here. All, all the other songs make sense ne- next to each other. Okay, cool. And this one definitely sticks out like a sore thumb. So we will not be playing the Skyliners original, uh, even though I do own it. But uh, So we're skipping that for right now. But yeah, just a bad choice for visual representation of this because you're, you're doing the one song that doesn't represent the album properly. It's 99.9% punk rock covers, and yeah. you put the one doo-wop song as your single. Right. No, that was a, a bad choice. Must I must say. So uh, you want to kick it off? We're going to start with track two then? Yes, we're going to kick it off with, and you know, I, I explained this before we uh, started our conversation here, but we're playing the original versions of the songs that will be covered on Spaghetti Incident to give it that uh, unique band flavor. So kicking off uh, from the real first punk rock full length in Britain, not the Pistols, but the Damned, who had the first punk rock album in the UK. It's very important to point that out. And this is a must-own album that you should all have, an album called Damn, Damn, Damned. This is The Damned with New Road. Is she really going out with him?
strange like a stormy sea I don't know why, I don't know why I guess these things have gotta be I've got a new rose, I've got a good Yes, I knew that I always would I can't stop to mess around I got a brand new rose in town See the sun, see the sun it shines Don't get too close or it'll burn your eyes Don't you run away that way You can come back another day I've got a new rose, I've got a good Yes, I knew that I always would I can't stop to mess around I got a brand new rose in town I never thought this could happen to me I feel so strange, oh why should it be? I don't deserve somebody this great thing I, that I that I really liked about the album is it was a lot like Metallica. I, I think that Metallica is one of the greatest cover bands <laughs> of all time because yeah. because you know the Garage Days the the second time they put that out when they did all those extra covers I had I had heard pretty much none of them you know um, yeah and same on the first one I mean that's how I was introduced to Danzig was was on that Garage Days album so this is kind of the same is my point and that to me all these are new. Cool. So everything I'm playing here on the show is probably going to be new to you, possibly. Yep. Or, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm pretty. I'm, unless I'm forgetting one, but uh, yeah, I'm interested in the playback because I have don't think I've heard any of these originals. Okay. So if if that uh, if there's an exception there, just let me know throughout yep. the show. Yep. I will. Uh, but yeah, as as we listen to these songs live, you know exactly. Okay. So. Uh, and actually, I'm going to leave it to the listeners as well. Anybody listening to this show, whether you're a first-time listener due to Cobras and Fire or a long-time friend of Rock Strikes 10, I'm curious what you think. You, you're listening to these originals right now. Sure, you got to go YouTube since I don't have you now by the Skyliners, but, you know, hey, give me a score. Who did it better, the original or Guns N' Roses? That would be kind of fun, I think. There you go. So, so yeah, here's a song coming up here that when Guns N' Roses first covered it, they actually covered it live for the first time at Barmaid, uh, which was uh, a big gig for them because that was Matt Sorum's first appearance with the band. Ah, and, yes. And I guess they were trying to think of what can we do that's very centric to this show. Uh, hey, let's do a song called Down on the Farm. So, there you go. <laughs> very clever. Yes. Big comedy. 
but yeah, a, a super obscure song by a band called the UK Subs, who did pretty well in England, but they didn't make much of a dent in the States, as most of these bands, honestly, that would be the case. So a lot of these bands are more infamous than famous when it comes to America, because most of these bands are British. There's a few American bands in here. It's like 70-30, I guess. But yeah, I, honestly, I don't know much about the UK subs. You know, I have a best of, and so I just haven't run into a lot of their stuff. It's a good so, franchise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Delicious. You should get the, you should get the uh, the tuna melt. Delicious. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. You know, the working title for the band was Royale with Cheese. Yes. <laughs> And I'm definitely talking about a glass of beer, not a paper cup. That's for sure. Especially when it comes to all of these bands. I do want to mention, too, that Axel picks some pretty obscure songs for some of the covers that he plays live. I mean, you know, It's All Right by Black Sabbath is the intro to November Rain. Yeah, that's that was so cool. I love that he's done that. And That was the first time I'd ever heard that song, too. And then when I heard it on that Black Sabbath album, I can't remember. Is that Technical Ecstasy? Off the top of your head? Yes. Or is, okay. Uh, when I heard it on, on that album, I was like, why have I heard this? It was driving me nuts. Yeah. It had a sense of familiarity to it. I had the same journey with that song, so I totally get it. And this goes all the way back to Lies when they're covering the Great Rose Tattoo. Nice Boys. If you, I got to say that one. You got to go back and check out the original of that because, uh, I mean, just Rose Tattoo in general is awesome. Like, it's, it's a... It's like a it's a thrashier ACDC, and we always compare any Australian band to ACDC, but that's just the way it is. But it's like a punk rock version of ACDC, so check out Rose Tattoo for sure. Uh, but yeah, like, and same thing with those back, though. Same thing going back to Lies is that's the first time I heard Mama Ken. Oh, nice! There you go. And yeah, I like I, Guns N' Roses version so much more than Aerosmith's. Their 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 album version is uh, their live version is better, but the the album is kind of plotting compared to theirs i was gonna, I was gonna say i like uh aerosmith's live version of it better than guns and roses fake live version of it <laughs> <laughs> well the, i do like the fact that mama Ken has one of the best intros to any song and that's this song is about your fucking mother <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly uh it's a shame that axel didn't use his cockney accent for that that he did on down on the farm yeah oh that that so what, what are you about to play this song because i have concerns about this cockney accent <laughs> yeah and that's that's where it comes from he's just doing a straight-up impression of the original here so uh and if you've never heard it before you're about to hear it now this is the uk subs with down on the farm
I have a feeling when I listen to this on playback, I'm going to prefer theirs. Because this is actually one of my least favorites on the album because of the weird voice that he does. Yeah. Yes? This no? Song, this, yes. And, and um, he also should have at the top of it said, this song is about your fucking sheep. <laughs> That's right. That's perfect. All right. I like it. So we're going to jump to a band that is uh, known pretty well throughout uh, the UK and the US, although they actually um, had a bigger name in the UK at the time. Their legend has grown over the decades. And I like this band. It's kind of a band of contention for some people. They either love them or hate them. The New York Dolls, of course. And I, uh, you're, you're of the MTV generation like I am, Loose. Yes. Uh, is the first time you ever heard of David Johansson, was it being Buster Poindexter or not? Of course. Yeah, and it took yeah. and, and it and it there was a an amazing. I just it was Buster, and then he was also in Scrooged, if I remember right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. and that, that's a great. There's some great material there because I think it was and I could be wrong about this, but one of the guys in the dolls, and I think it was Jerry, who no, it was uh, it was Sil Sylvain Sylvain, and he said, well. That era is a little weird for me because I literally am sitting in a theater watching David play a taxi driver in Scrooge. And <laughs> the big cigar. I'm, yeah. And meanwhile, I'm actually driving a taxi to make a living. At that <laughs> He's getting paid slightly more to drive his taxi. Yeah, exactly. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Fun story there. But yeah, we uh, saw Buster looking over the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh disparaging his old band the new york dolls before he sang hot 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 but uh you know hey all is forgiven now i got the dolls back together he got his rock brain back and it's all good and before that really one of my first gateways to the dolls was hearing human being by guns and roses oh yeah see i didn't even know this is a doll song i don't think of that maybe i just looked at the co-write and just kind of dismissed it does it have johansson is one of the co-writers yeah, uh, Johansson and Johnny Thunders, the great Johnny Thunders, wrote this. Who, uh, you know, big influence, especially on Duff, because we're going to hear something uh, that Johnny wrote specifically for himself later on in this episode. But this is actually originally off of the Dolls' second full length, "Too Much Too Soon." So don't feel bad. The hipsters haven't heard this either. They've only heard the first album. Well, maybe they probably bought it, but they don't listen to it. Damn cubicle hipsters. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's it's neat that Guns N' Roses are, you know, it's almost like they probably thought about maybe covering something off the first album, but like, fuck that, let's do something off the second, because we're real fans. You know, know, uh, another one, you know, New York Dolls, perfectly rated, I never could could get into them. I understand they're still influential, whatever, but uh, I just didn't think they didn't have the songs, just like Paul and Gene say. (laughs) They say, oh, they they had the look, they had the look, they just didn't have the songs. I, I don't know. No. What's what's your thoughts? You probably dig them because you're a hipster. I'm I'm not a hipster. You know this. Uh, but uh, <laughs> actually, I gotta say this about the dolls. If you don't like the dolls' initial output, yeah, I would recommend giving their comeback era a chance because the the albums are you know they they sound better technically, <laughs> right? And th- some of the songs are actually I think better. Uh, I went and saw them on their because uh, I said so tour and they sounded excellent and the new material they were doing held up with the old stuff I think okay so if you want to hear a more hard rock version of the dolls and check out their newer albums so that's my recommendation to everybody out there but before all that let's listen to something off of the dolls sophomore album 
which was pretty much it for them after this. But uh, here's a song that has lived on, and I'm sure they are very happy that Guns N' Roses covered this. This is Human Being. No 
Johnny Thunders co-writes on this episode that was Human Being by the Dolls. Nice. Yeah, I still can't wrap my mind around the fact that the hot, hot, hot guy was wearing uh, high heels and he, he is one ugly woman. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like oh my God. Yes. And he's tiny. I, I, for some reason, I didn't think he was that small. Uh, mostly because yeah. he was sitting down as a cab driver, so I couldn't get his height. Yeah. And, yeah, and I will always... I will always say this about the Dolls. When I saw them live 10 years ago at the House of Blues, they were the second loudest band I've ever seen in my life. They were so loud. My ears rang for four days, five for Motorhead, so that's what makes them the second. (laughs) Do you wear earplugs ever? No. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm going to do an endorsement real quick, and that is... Yes, go ahead. I I think I know about Earpiece. Earpiece headphones. You can still hear everything. It's not like those pieces of foam that you stick in your ears that you get for a dollar. Um, I've yeah. began to use them and uh, have survived. My, my my hearing is is has not degraded anymore. So kids, that's the deal. Uh, you know, you can be a pure man like Joey and go there and just get your ears pummeled. But uh, I don't enjoy the ringing. I mean, I'd have to say do it too because you know it's not like Motorhead's around anymore. And I always say if you're going to see Motorhead, you got to do it pure the first time, but then you can wear the plugs afterwards. So. I, I ran. Uh, the, see, I saw Motorhead like just two months before he died in yeah. in, uh, in Florida. It's actually a great show. It's Motorhead, Anthrax, and Crowbot. It's a great lineup. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And but he was basically looking like a corpse on stage. Literally, he he was it was it was worse than the corpse of Dokken. I mean, he was just up there. Wow! And uh, just he looked like he was going to die. I mean, uh, but I'm glad I saw him because that was the first and uh, time I ever saw them before before he died. Because I was I was afraid he actually wouldn't even even make it. But the but my point is is there was an outside 
venues? Or is that, did you see Motorhead in a club or where'd you see them? I've seen them in a club and I've seen them in a theater. Uh, so yeah. Outside? My, no, inside my friend. Okay. No, I was actually in an, I was actually in a, in like a small, like 1500 seat amphitheater. So the entire world was, was there for the sound to escape and not bounce off the walls. And I still, we yeah. had to, we had to leave. We basically had to go all the way. We had seats in the front. We had to go all the way in the back and still it was hurting. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, just imagine being in a very, very tiny club. No, uh, with no way. With 500 people in it. That's what I did the first time I saw them. That was like truly like losing your virginity. So, so we're gonna do a motor. Of, we're gonna do a motorhead cover next. No, no. But speaking of human corpses, <laughs> yeah, uh, here's one that resembles one, although he is super sprightly still to this day. When talk about Iggy Pop, Iggy Pop and oh, the Stooges, yes, Iggy and the Stooges, what have you? Post Toasties. Okay, so. This song here, and uh, let's. uh, I didn't really go into length about the other reason why I love this album so much, the Spaghetti Incident. It's because it turned me on to pretty much all of these bands. So I'm always going to be thankful for this album and for Guns N' Roses for turning me on to these bands and opening up my eye to a different side of music. And it had the greatest impact with me for this particular entry because. Uh, I almost immediately went out and got a copy of Raw Power, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. It's one of those albums that changes you, and I bought bought it on CD, and it's just uh, I bought it a few times now. But nothing really beats that '97 remix. If I can't get really geeky about this, the uh, remix of Raw Power from '97, uh, where they they don't change anything, they just make it sound better overall, and it's still the loudest CD I own, actually. Uh, on principle and for real but because of Guns N' Roses covering it I, I I probably listened to it 10 years before I probably would have been forced into listening to it let's just say yeah they also make a great um, soundtrack for Carnival Cruise <laughs> yeah Bless for Life <laughs> that is still that's even weirder That that's weirder than any spot ever in the history of commercials I gotta say it was just like a death to me What's the song by Jet that sounds exactly the same? Are you going to be my girl? You ever notice that? They actually yeah, got yeah. Um, bump, 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 bump. Anyway. Yeah, it's pretty blatant. It's But you can't really copyright that in a sense, almost. Like, it's almost like if you could copyright the, boat, the deadly beat, then, uh, you know, half of music wouldn't have been written because of that. But, yeah, just one of those things. But that's definitely one of the reasons why that song was a hit, for sure. Yeah. Also, what do you think that Iggy Pop and Dave Navarro's shirt budget is on an annual basis? A <laughs> uh, couple of bucks because you get that occasional cool shirt from like you know a secondhand store or whatever, and you got to get it there because it's not cool otherwise. You know, so they wear like two shirts a year. <laughs> That's right. They, I think they wear it on Thanksgiving because they feel a little bloated. That's one of the days that they they like to wear it. And yeah, uh, I mean it's respectful to the family like hey can you put a shirt on please honey oh, okay mom. sure all right and, and and easter to respect the he has risen yes exactly which uh, that's funny you mentioned that because speaking of he has risen iggy pop has been known to wear a shirt uh that has a picture of himself naked full frontal on it <laughs> so 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 he's basically got two dicks basically yes 
That is amazing. You want to talk about somebody that's a narcissist. <laughs> that's next <laughs> level. I have a screen. You know what? what would be funny is if you went, you know, when you go to the mall and those kiosks are there and you can get those horrific screen prints from like 1980 with a lettering and shit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. What's the only business they get is dead people's memorials, you know? <laughs> but he goes in there with a, he says, scan this picture of my, my, uh, my naked self. And then it, then, then it would be great if it says like a reunion. <laughs> it was like the, the graphic for, for the pop, uh, 50th, 50th, uh, whatever. But, that's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got. That's amazing. Oh. Full frontal yeah. self picture. I bet he, if he worked in a cubicle, he'd probably have a picture of just himself naked on the desk. No pictures of family. <laughs> just a complete yeah, narcissist. Not? It, yeah, nothing screams "Don't talk to me." More than that. Oh. Fucking cubicle punks. Yeah. So uh, before we get into the song, I might as well ask you here. Uh, Duff McKagan has quite a few lead vocals on this oh, yeah. album, mm-hmm. and uh, I I like Duff as a singer, and I think he brings the punk rock credibility to Guns N' Roses. Kind of always has, honestly. Uh, so, what do you think of Duff's performance on this album overall? You know, I actually had I can't remember what's the name of the is his first solo album that came out right around. Oh, believe in me, yeah, believe in me. Um, you know, he actually ruins a lot of songs for me. A lot of the songs that. Like his his solo album, and um, he's had tons of side side projects. It it works some it works on here pretty well, but uh, yeah, yeah, I can take or leave it. It's just it has to fit the song because there's a lot of songs, a lot of us, a lot of his solo efforts that um, are brought down, I believe, by his vocals. Yeah, I'm not a fan of believing me, but I think Loaded is a lot better uh, representation of him as a solo artist. So Agree. I'd definitely recommend that stuff before I'd recommend Believe in Me. But the idea of that, I liked it on principle because I, I was aware of some of the behind the scenes on it. He basically, his goal was to do what Prince did because I want to be able to play all the instruments on my solo album. And if I can't do it, then it's not a true solo album. So Yeah, I had it. But, uh, I, I don't remember. Right. I, somehow it's gone. So I must have sold it back at some some point. I, I think I liked a few songs on it. But yeah, Loaded is better. But wasn't that just an EP or did they finally expand it to a full album? Oh, no. Uh, they they have a few albums out now. So The first yeah. one, I think, and was an EP. I don't remember. but uh, they got a, that, that one did get expanded, though. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. But so that's that's, that's my that's review. Cool. He's, like, he's like the Ace Frehley uh, voice of Guns N' Roses. He kind of talks through his songs to me. He's a little bit of a talk singer. I'll get. You, I'll give you that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, this is Raw Power by Icky and the Stooges. <laughs> Bye. 
got a song that was referenced earlier in the show the uh song that was first released to radio actually months before the since i don't have you video but uh, ain't it fun and originally recorded by rocket from the tombs made more famous slightly more famous i will say by the dead boys but that's due to the fact that and this is going to get real convoluted here but in this band rocket from the tomb which is from the early 70s and definitely showing signs of like it's not even so much punk rock as it is like almost like just alternative rock, like college rock with an edge because, you know, they didn't play fast so much. They were just kind of weird. It's weird. It's like post psychedelic, but not like, you know, not like snoozy, like the velvet underground, you know, they definitely played really loud guitars 
it's just hard to describe this band. It's probably why they didn't go anywhere, but you know, they're more heralded now than they were then, of course. But that's due to the inclusion of Cheetah Chrome, who would later go on to be in the Dead Boys. He took this song and had the Dead Boys do it. So it's it's a whole thing. But this is the pinnacle, the highlight, the uh, the climax, if you will, of uh, the album for me. I could I could just completely finish and wipe up with a sock at this point because it is. I love this song. And I mean, even the, the lyrics, you know, just for some reason, it just sounds so creepy when it says, Oh wait, who's, who's singing this with Axel? One of the greatest frontmen of all time, Mr. Michael Monroe from Hanoi rocks. Really? God, yeah. I was way off on this. I, I got to go listen to this again because, yeah. uh, and I completely who was forgot about multiple that. times on user illusion. He's in, uh, a couple of Usual Illusion songs as well. Usually, like those kind of like acoustic jams, you know. Yeah. Like along with Shannon Hoon and stuff like that. But like you know, he's on Illusion in a couple of places, and that's one of those things that I can't be ever completely mad at Guns N' Roses because they're such big Hanoi fans. You know, and Cooper. Even... Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, even Axel basically getting the rights to the old Hanoi albums to put them out in the states for people to actually hear them. I mean, that was amazing. I've still got those Zuzi Suicide CDs just because of that. But, you know, I just love that it happened. I, I found out just going on the wiki before this that I didn't even know this, but apparently the original idea is, or that Guns N' Roses actually wanted to cover a Hanoi song, uh, the song called Beer and a Cigarette. Great song, would have been perfect for him. It actually probably would have made more sense on Lies. But uh, I guess when they finally met Michael, Michael was like, oh, that's Andy McCoy's song. We don't want to give him any money. So they uh, it just kept him around and did some sessions with them. And I think this might have been during the illusion time. And this song might have been included on there originally because I think Michael just spent a few days with them in the studio. So the song probably cut off of illusion. But it is, like you said, I agree, the standout track on this album. <laughs>
just gotta buy a gun Ain't it fun cause you're taking care of number one Ain't it fun when you just, 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 just can't find tongue Stuck it way too deep in something that really stung. Ain't it fun? Such fun. Such fun. 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 Somebody came to me and they spit right in my face. But I didn't even feel it. It was such a disgrace. I broke the window, smashed my fist right through the glass. But I couldn't even feel it. It just happened too fast. It was fun. Such fun. Such fun. Oh, such fun. Such fun. Such fun. So that was the original, original version of Ain't It Fun 
by Rocket from the Tombs, it basically does sound like a demo, uh, because it kind of is. They really actually never had any official releases until way later on, and then the legend of the family tree of the Dead Boys kind of grew. So, more famous as a Dead Boy song, way more famous as a Guns N' Roses song, honestly, and I love all of these versions. Listen to them all. There you go. Yeah, I gotta tell you, the whole Hanoi Rocks, everything like that, the only thing I really knew about them was the fact that Vince Neil killed them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much Vince's fault. I mean, uh, and I think I always wondered if that's what kind of added to the Guns N' Roses Motley Crue feud. I really think that that's a big factor in it, too, actually. Ooh, I can see that. Sure. I forgot forgot that Axel and Vince Neil were going to fight. What was that? Yeah. Was that like an uh, Appetite Zone, or was that Use Your Illusion? I can't remember. That was during Decade Illusion era. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, this goes back to, like, Michael Monroe had Axel guest on his uh, American solo album, Not Faking It. And he even appears in the video for uh, Death, Jail, Rock and Roll. And so, like, you know, Axel buddied up to Michael Monroe pretty early on. And I totally would, too, if I was him, because, I mean... You know, they definitely don't get a lot of credit for the influence they had. It's definitely one of those cases of all those bands on the Sunset Strip heard those Hanoi albums and they knew they weren't getting over in America, so they copied everything they could from them and made millions of dollars doing it. So they, yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Like the first time I even saw Michael Monroe or heard any of his songs was when he did a guest spot on that metal show. And I was like, you know, it's kind of a peculiar looking guy. A bit, yeah. and uh, I was like, "Who is this?" I'm like, "Canar Rocks." I'm like, "Oh man, this is the this is the the guy that Vince Neil, you know, was getting cheeseburgers after midnight and uh, and ran into." Or the uh, who did who did he kill in that? He killed he killed their drummer Razzle. Okay, who... Razzle. Ah, drummers can be replaced. So the yeah, um... know, usually drummers are replaceable, but they definitely had enough of a bond with him. They even had a really good ringer replacement after Razzle got killed because they made a go at it afterwards, and. They said it just wasn't clicking, and then that's when they decided to break up the first time. Sure, yeah, that was one of the the only deaths that wa- the, for a drummer that wasn't covered in Spinal Tap was Vince Neil killing one of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Usually, usually they are so dispensable and replaceable, which is why Spinal yeah. Tap made that joke. Yeah, I'm surprised they I'm surprised they didn't have a a non personality bass player. They should have maybe flipped it for the bass player instead. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean. Come on. But anyway, just I like to be as, as offensive as possible. But anyway, going back to what I heard, Horns and Halos is fucking great. Love that yes. solo album by That's the first one I heard. Blackout States is is close, but Horns and Halos, love it. That was one of my favorite albums of 2013. Yeah, Horns and Halos is great. Um, I think it was, it was Interstellar Overdrive, I think, is one of the other ones from this run. Uh, is that after great. Blackout States or before? It was before. It was before. It was actually like kind of the first solo one that he made a go at after Hanoi broke up again. And all the Hanoi comeback albums are amazing too. So you'll really do no wrong going down this rabbit hole. There's about a dozen records, full length records for you to hear between Hanoi and solo Michael Monroe. Actually, more than that. But I, I highly recommend doing that for sure. I think he did a duet with uh, with Lemmy with Motorhead or something like that in one of those tours too. Yeah, Lemmy was on his solo album. Okay. I even made the joke, like, Michael Monroe is so cool that he has Lemmy and Lucinda Williams on his album because that's the kind of range he has. Yeah. 
Also, Michael jumped up on stage and did Killed by Death a few times. That's it. On. That's it. It's on one of his live albums I saw, or one of the uh, DVDs, or whatever. Yeah. I saw it on uh, YouTube or whatnot. But uh, very cool. So, what do we got? What do we got next? Well, we've got um, basically kind of one of the first mashups most people ever heard. Oh yes. That's uh, uh, three. Basically, like four fifths of a T Rex song, and then one fifth of a Soundgarden song. So Buick McCain and in parentheses, big dumb sex and how we're going to do it on this show. And I know you'll appreciate this loose. Yes. Is it, I'm going to do my best to replicate guns and roses arrangement of this. When you Ooh. hear the original right now. Yeah. 
genius. Genius. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I can't I can't wait to hear hear that back. This is also one of the ones that I really like and and I even though I owned Bad Motorfinger and you know everything after that, I had never heard this this original version. And I had no idea it was by Soundgarden. I just thought it was some random ending into a song. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was uh, Yeah, and I mean the pre-fame and here's that other thing is that I remember in print Axel giving it up for Soundgarden prior to their big explosion in the US. They were one of those uh, acts that were given it up for Soundgarden Wait. when they were just kind of critical darling at that point. No, they they actually opened I remember there was this I actually paid I think which is ridiculous to think about all these pay-per-views, boxing and all this other stuff, wrestling or Whatnot, but the uh, I remember paying thirty five dollars back in nineteen ninety two for Live in Paris, Guns N' Roses, and Soundgarden, who I'd never heard except for uh, Outshined, was the opener there. Oh yeah, yeah, but I, I'm talking about the fact that Axel would give it up for them like in nineteen eighty eight. Oh, I'm sorry. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that, that's okay. I saw that pay per view concert too. Actually, I taped it off of MTV for free a few months after it happened. So. Uh, yeah, it, 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 with bleeps. However, it was still a good show. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was that was when you could kind of. I, I remember with 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 Guns N' Roses there. That was the point where I kind of was <clears throat> becoming a little disenchanted with them as far as their live performance because they really. That was when they had like I don't know, fifteen people on like stage. 15, yeah, pretty much. But and uh, I like Teddy Zigzag and everything, and he's an Alice alum, of course, but. Yeah, it was it was a crazy show. I did enjoy actually all the guest spots. Uh, it oh, is that a was shame cool. Jeff made it. Uh, I liked seeing Lenny Kravitz do Always on the Run yeah. because I, I remember even Slash sitting at the time. I wrote this for Guns, but I thought it was too funky. And now seeing it on a Gun stage with a horn section and Lenny Kravitz, he's like, "This is super duper funny to me." Uh, but also, let's not uh, blow over the fact that T Rex was the original band that did the. Majority of this song, you're McCain, and the other reason it's good to point this out, which is a high comedy, is the fact that that song was originally off of the album called The Slider. And if uh, you blink and miss it, let's say you just kind of walk past this album cover, you think you walk past Slash, because Slash basically took his entire look from Mark Bowen on this album cover with the top hat, big, huge, curly hair. It's like the template for Slash's style, this one album cover. Jack Daniels in the hand? Uh, that might be out of frame. Yeah, you, know, you can't use brand names. Yeah. And uh, one of the other two people we could mention on this episode that died in a car accident, Mark Bowen of T-Rex. All so, right. Yes. Keeping it consistent. Uh, more, but, more death. Uh, all, yes. All fun aside, though, uh, just be, due to the fact that you could almost turn on any classic rock radio station at some point and hear this song, we are not going to feature Hair of the Dog by Nazareth on this episode. Oh, thank God. <laughs> you, but um, that song, a, um, how, how did how did that song get so huge? I mean, it is irritating as fuck past the uh, two minute mark. I think. Well, also due to the fact that, like, wow, radio, like, so you don't care about that so much uh, as words like you know other words, choice words and phrases and stuff like that. You know, it's it's definitely got the rebellious attitude just by default. But yeah, I'm constantly surprised by the popularity of this song. I, I'll never forget two things about this song since we're just skipping over, but I'm still going to talk about it. I remember specifically waiting uh, for either Pantera or Skid Row during their tour together in 92, 93, something like that. Yeah. And 
of course, like I was really young. I was probably too young to be at that show. Honestly, I was probably about fourteen or fifteen or something like that. That's fine. That's yeah, fine, but, Joey. But considering the element that was there, it was just like when you think you're all cool and rock and roll, then you sit next to the hardcore partying dude. Oh, okay. like you gotcha. just kind of. And you go there with your friend that's about as young as you are, and you're all giving the side eye to each other, just like, okay, let's just hope that he doesn't talk to us a whole bunch. And he was <laughs> one of those guys, he had already gotten party hard loaded in the parking lot before he even showed up into the building. And then when this song comes on, this guy is standing up and pumping his fist and dancing like there is a real band on stage right now. <laughs> when this song came on? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it when people howl to the uh, the soundtrack before, before, like back in black, will come on. Fuck yeah! So yeah, so what he did was he he danced a little bit at the beginning and then he sat down, but then subsequently through the song he would make a point to stand up again and go, "Son of a bitch!" (laughs) Every time, just to prove the point, and it was just like, "Wow, dude, really?" That's uh, amazing. So here's a fun fact about this song. Love facts. Now, I, I just going through the wiki once again before we got on here, and there's a percussion credit for a guy named Mike Fasano. So that's a utility guy that got on my radar there. Mike, he's known as Mike the Sack Fasano. Uh, Ooh, the sack. The metal nice. Yeah, from the Metal Sludge days. Former drummer of Warrant, and. Uh, here's here's another fun fact for you kids. If you go through a lot of California-based productions, like your Green Days and stuff like that, sure, you will see Mike Fasano's name as the drum engineer on all of these albums. This guy has definitely gotten paid in his career, and he's not even close to being a household name. But uh, I just like the fact that Mike Vassak Fasano has a percussion credit on Guns N' Roses' version of Hair of the Dog. So there you go. Yeah, this is probably my least favorite. Oh well, this and the farm are my two least favorite songs on the album, and I just think Axel's voice does not lend to this. And I think that the actual song is longer with their version that keeps going on and on. Oh wait, hang hold on, on a second. Hold on, hold on. I gotta answer this. <laughs> Hello. Oh, Michael Butler. How are you? Okay, so we have to pull the episode because we did disparaging comments about Nazareth. All right, then. I didn't know you were as much of a fan as that. But, uh, yes, by the way, do you hang out with the LaFons? Luce, I'll talk to Michael for you. Actually, to to what his argument might be there, I Mm -hmm. do have to disagree with you a little bit. As you said, that um, this didn't fit Axel as much as some of the others. I think this actually is the most fitting vocal. Or mm. Axel is covering a Nazareth song because I I will have to definitely agree with the discerning uh, voice on the phone saying that Axel did take a lot of his vocal stop from Damocat of Nazareth. So I think maybe even this cover is almost an apology with money in a sense for taking <laughs> so much. Out. But that's that's my opinion on that. It's probably why it's in there. So huh. now you know why this Interesting. song darkens the spaghetti incident. Who knew that Axel was such a, uh, a giver at this time of his life? It does seem that way, doesn't it? That's interesting. You know, it's uh, he gets such a bad rap. I mean, uh, so let's hope those uh, old uh, domestic charges are unfounded. So yeah, I hope so because uh, let's hope. Yeah, he's he's a who who knew that in 2018 that Axel would be a voice of reason. 
against uh, for politics. Yeah. Did you see that thing on Twitter where like Axel and Sebastian were going at this uh, this woman on Twitter, but you know, because she was like pro-Trump and she was yelling at them because they were anti-Trump. And I said, this is probably we live in different times. Whenever a woman could say I got double teamed by Sebastian Bach and Axel Rose, be <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. Who? Like I'm saying, like like Sebastian and Axel that you're actually siding with them for 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 rational thought. I, I'll give you one more. Is there was a blabbermouth article that had to do with the, the same kind of uh, thing with the California fires and everything like that, and then Tommy Lee jumped in and uh, yeah, uh, made Axel and Sebastian seem like road scholars because his grammar is horrible. Uh, he had like three typos in one sentence, and he basically called Trump a fucking moron while making himself look like a moron as well. So Tommy well, Lee that- is Tommy Lee the dumbest person in rock because I'm going to vote yes. He might be. I mean, obviously not so much politically, but no, just uh, in general, he's rad. He's rad, and he knows how to to you know steer a boat with his cock. But that's 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 just about it. That's his only skill. But he also, but he also wrote Brandon. So we're getting into multiplication. <laughs> Anything times zero is still zero. Now, on, on the flip side, one of the best drummers for me. Sure. Like, like, yeah, uh, rock star drummers. You can, almost can't touch him as a rock star drummer for sure. No, and there's a difference no. between. Rockstar drummers and mechanics. So, but it's unfortunate that Motley Crue got all the whole thing with it because they were kind of a personality band, like Kiss. You know, each you knew all the names, the uh, you had all the the hype and Heather Locklear. And unfortunately, they gave him a voice. He should never speak; just hit the drums. That's my point. <laughs> exactly. Dance, monkey dance. Yes. So, uh, getting into What's this next, next yeah, we're going to talk about going from 180 from Nazareth to the Misfits. That's a jump. Sure. The thing I always think about the Misfits, the first thing I always think of is there was that big divorce between Jerry Only and Glenn Danzig when the band broke up. And let me ask you this, Luce, because Glenn got the publishing and Jerry got all of the likeness rights and imaging for merchandise. Now, which one would you rather have? Number two. I'll take the latter. Exactly. How what the what's the ratio you think of Misfits records sold to Misfits T-shirts? Ninety-nine to one. I would agree with that statement for sure, and that's not me disparaging the music. I actually like the Misfits. I even like the Michael Graves uh, album, American Psycho. But yeah, I mean, it's easily ninety-nine to one. Same thing with the Dead Kennedys, and same thing with a few other punk rock bands of that particular Ramones. era. Ramones. Yeah, sadly, yes, because if everybody out there that says that they love the Ramones versus uh, you know, t-shirt sales versus record sales. I mean, they would have like multiple diamond awards for their first four albums, but they don't. They barely broke gold, even to this day. <laughs> I know it's amazing, right? But then, then you hear, you know, uh, a handful, of three, maybe three other songs, always in movies. They have to make some royalties on that because that's that's featured yeah. a lot. Their stuff. Yeah. So it's definitely. I definitely would rather have the publishing. Uh, Ramones versus publishing Misfits but that being said I'm sure this uh, wrote a nice check for Glenn Danzig uh, with the cover of Attitude here this uh, this and the uh, this and the Metallica's covers oh yeah for sure I mean it, you, you wonder like and I loved by the way I did see the Guns N' Roses Metallica Stadium tour mm-hmm. I did too I, loved, I did too Yeah, and I love Faith No More and I'm glad I saw him on that tour but wouldn't you think that Danzig would have been the obvious choice for opener on this tour, considering those two things? Is it, did they cover it three times or twice? I know they did Die, Die, My Darling. And of course, well, you're uh, thinking 
because Last Caress and Green Hell is kind of a twofer. Oh, that's right. So they have three. That, that, that is technically three songs. So, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, why why didn't they open the stadium tour? That's kind of interesting, isn't it? So, yeah, they were great though. Yeah, and they actually played this song the night that I saw Guns N' Roses on this uh, particular show. Uh, Axel went and took a powder for about ninety seconds <laughs> and Duff threw down on this uh, bad boy right here. Here's the original version of Attitude by the Misfits. <laughs> sick of hearing Duff do Attitude every live show. It's like, you know, he's saying a, a bunch of different things on Use Your Illusion and on this album as well, but he always does Attitude. Maybe because Axel can only share the spotlight for 90 seconds, like you said, right? Yeah. I would I would think that that might be the case, but... Yeah, yeah. But At uh, least, I mean, hey, you got it once again. Uh, one of those, uh, you're giving some good evidence as to why Axel's better than Vince, because if it had been Vince Neil... Uh, Duff would have had to do that, plus all the other songs he sang lead on on this particular album. <laughs> he got back to the stage, right? Chipotle, got to go get some Chipotle yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely leave it. By the way, real quick, in in um, uh, West Palm Beach, when I first moved down there in 2007, they had just opened. I'm not sure if you even knew this existed. Did you know that there was actually a club called Doctor Feelgood? Hmm. Or not? No, I did not. Okay. No, I did. Not. So it was just Vince Neil called Doctor Feelgood, and or Doctor Feelgoods. I believe it was plural. But regardless, what would you think that club would have in it? What would you think the theme of that club would be? Drugs. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But uh, but no. I mean, it had the exact you know. Uh, writing from the album cover, they had a couple motorcycles from Vince and a bunch of Motley stuff. But they had a stage. They never had any live bands. The first time I went oh. there, they were playing uh, It Takes Two by Rob Bass. And it was nothing but rap the entire time oh. I was in there. So you uh, went on Hanging with the Homeboys night with Dr. <laughs> I would have loved it. I never heard. Well, let's play a little bit of Hanging with the Homeboys right now. Okay. Well, for you, I'll do it again. Okay. Here okay. we go. <laughs> Promised land and get that ass drunk and buck ass wild and kick it with the doc for a while. 
But anyway, so the, so then, uh, uh, I'm not sure if you knew this. Uh, we're going over the place, but since you bring up Vince, he lost the rights. The rest of the band came after him and said, you can't call it Dr. Feelgoods. Um, so they took that away. And did, were you ever aware of a actual cruise, rock cruise called Motley Cruise? Did you ever hear about that? Oh, no. Okay, so that was also Vince Neil. That actually turned into Shiprocked, which is a much worse version of it, too. Same people. But for two years, the Motley Crews and Dr. Feelgoods existed out of Miami and West Palm. And both of them, the bands, shut the fuck down. Nikki. Wow. I had no clue that that so, ever happened. That's your fun fact. I moved down to to, to uh, Florida and I was like, oh, hell yeah, there's a Motley Crue club. This is going to be great. They're going to have, you know, hard rock bands. No. And it went out of business in three years. Yeah. So that's all I, I thought, got for that. I really thought it was going to be a strip club, actually. I can't yeah. Well, that's a, actually, that's a great guess. Or, biki- uh, or bikini bar. That's Florida law, right? Bikini bars. Mm, no, they go full, full everything, uh, oh, according, according okay. to my bachelor party. So times have changed. All right. They have. Yes. Uh, but, uh, continue. Uh, let's move from strippers and, uh, Coke, you know, Coke in the bathroom. We're going to move to disparaging attitudes and heroin. Uh, especially when we're talking about the sex pistols. Now, here's the thing. Actually, I got to qualify this. The original version of this song is credited uh, in a lot of, you know, places like Wikipedia and stuff. It's actually credited to the sex pistols. That's just due to the fact that Steve Jones wrote the song Black Leather, but in reality, it was never a Sex Pistols song. Steve Jones had already moved on and started his next band called The Professionals with ex-members of The Pistols, which is why it wound up in a lot of Pistols bootlegs, so yada yada. There's huh. the tale of the song Black Leather. Uh, the song was also covered by The Runaways, and occasionally you could still go see Lita Ford live, and she might even play this as well. So... This is a, a cool song with a lot of different journeys that it's taken over the years. But Love it, actually by the way. Love it. Yeah. And Steve Jones, I mean, there's a big tie-in there to Guns N' Roses because of the Neurotic Outsiders, which is basically Guns N' Roses fronted by Steve Jones. I swear to God, you with the facts, you with the research, you know so much, Joey. I, I, am, I, am, I am ashamed to even partner with you on the show today. Ah. And uh, you know I only go on shows that I like, so that's why I love going on Covers and Fire as well. So we all uh, we all fill in each other's blanks. I may not <laughs> of which I have now. many. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I like Black Leather. I'm glad it's on this album. That's the first time I heard it easy, so I'll admit that. I think uh, I probably thirty percent I heard the originals prior to hearing this album. So nice, and those were you know obvious songs, but. Yes, this is a cool song, and I found the original version of Black Leather by The Professionals, so you're going to enjoy it right now. Can't choose what she's gonna do I said you can't refuse If you 
So they go Black Leather by Steve Jones slash The Professionals. Good stuff. Steve actually just played a gig at the Roxy on Halloween Eve. Did you hear about this, by the way? No, please. So real quick, this was awesome. I think they filmed it. It was a free gig, and it was uh, half of the Pistols and half of Generation X. So Billy Idol, uh, Brian James, Steve Jones, and Paul Cook, and they they did Pistols and Generation X songs. It was called Generation Sex, and I'm just like, wow, <laughs> I wish I could have been at that show. So very cool. Stuff there. And Billy Idol, also the original contender for lead vocalist in the Neurotic Outsiders. There you go. Quick question: so, How many how many pairs yeah. of black leather pants do you own? Uh, zero. Yeah, that's a big step when you decide to <laughs> even more than spandex. 80s to actually go and purchase a pair of leather pants I, I can see them not they're absolutely not practical can you imagine wearing them I mean the, the leather in a car is hot enough during the summer I think the winner for rock and roll leather pants has to go to Jason McMaster from the Dangerous Toys because I've seen him live a couple of times and both times he wore these leather pants and it was the state flag of Texas because of course the Lone Star right in the front is right where your dick goes yeah so, yeah. There you go. He's the winner? <laughs> yeah, because the 
the, the dicks right there on the star. I mean, the Texas flag doesn't belong on a pair of leather pants, but he made it totally work that way. So, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Impractical, impractical uh, uh, pants wear, trousers. Impractical trousers was the working title for leather pants. (laughs) There you go. So we're moving on to the second of three ballads on this album, technically, and the uh, the best one in my opinion because this is just one of the most I gotta say, no comedy here. One of the most beautiful songs ever written, Uh, and who would have thought by a punk rock legend, punk rock icon, a death legend, Johnny Thunders who wrote this song way before he was ever in the New York Dolls. And it became a signature song because he finally put it on a record after a while. And I think Def does a pretty decent job of it. But I definitely recommend tracking down the original. And uh, so here it is right now, the original version of You Can't Put Your Arms Around a Memory. He doesn't pay to try All the smart boys know why doesn't mean I didn't try, I just never know why, and when I'm on, big deal, I'm still Beautiful ballad, 
real uh, great songwriting here to uh, an entirely different piece of business here to close off the show. And no, we are not going to talk about the Charles Manson song because I refuse to. Uh, that's about all the mention he's going to get here. Uh, but uh, actual, uh, this is definitely one of the albums that I bought because of this record, and I'm really glad I did because I would highly recommend, even if you don't like Guns N' Roses' version of this song, definitely track down the original album called The Record by Fear because it's probably, uh, it's arguably like a top five punk rock album. It's got all the venom, all the attitude, and it sounds great. That's the other neat thing about this record. But um, I... I I think you told me in the past you're not a big fan of this version. Um, it's been a while since I've heard it, so I'm going to take that statement away. All I know is that now Lee Ving is the person that also was in the Megadeth side project, right? Or no? Yeah, MP45. Yeah, and he he actually is the sole writer of "I Don't Care About You." Okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to hearing the original of this. And uh, Luce, you're such a big fan of lyrics. I've noticed over the years, you will love. The fear record it's it's got all the lyrics that you're looking for they're so un pc they're so over the top it's almost like a shock rock punk album in a sense i mean there's a there's a war protest song called let's have a war and one of the lyrics is give guns to the queers and there's a song called new york's all right if you like saxophones (laughs) that's the name of the song yeah that's the name of the song man and uh, that's one of the songs they performed on Saturday Night Live. Fear actually did play Saturday Night Live in 1982, and only at uh, John Belushi's behest, because he would not host the show again if Fear was not the main musical act. And it led to some train wreck live television, let me tell you. Well, I'll tell you this much, too. You know, I'm looking forward to hearing the original of I Don't Care About You, but I'm, I'm not sure it's going to you know, surpass Guns N' Roses' version, because Ricky Rackman actually did backing vocals on this version. Yeah, I- I saw that on the credits ever since I saw the booklet for the CD. I was like, eh. I mean, because I figured at some point they'd shoehorn him in on something. <laughs> That's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, come on. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just gang vocals. I mean, it's, yeah. and it's a punk rock song, so you might sure. as well throw in all your buddies for this kind of thing because you got to have a big, huge choir going, fuck you. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, yeah, it's fun, man. And I think the original's better, but you are going to enjoy right now turn it up as loud as possible can like the neighbors
Well, Joey, since I have heard none of the originals here except for Hair of the Dog, <laughs> Hair of the Dog, and Big Dumb Sex, the last uh, minute of it. Uh, yeah, why don't you kind of? What's your overall vibe? From obviously, you said this is kind of a, a gateway drug into a lot of these bands, which you wouldn't have probably checked out otherwise. Is, do I have that right? Absolutely, and I think I gave some people some records to check out. Hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully, maybe this episode kind of did what Spaghetti Incident did for me. That's all I can hope with this. I mean, cool. that's I guess what we set out to accomplish. But also, just wanted to give props to Guns and Roses for taking a chance at their commercial peak and putting out this record. I mean, it took balls and. It sadly uh, proved to be, like, to date, the last album with pretty much most of the original lineup on it still. Oh, I know. One of them that almost should have been on here. What are your thoughts on Sympathy for the Devil? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I actually like their version of Sympathy for the Devil, honestly. I think, uh, I mean, it fits on here as much as Since I Don't Have You does or even the Branson song. So it would have been fine on here, and you had time for it. I mean, it only clocks in at a 45-minute record, so... I think um, I wonder when they recorded. Do you think they recorded it right uh, when you know specifically for interview with a vampire? Or do you think they left it off? I wonder what the story is there. I honestly don't know the, uh, what the journey is for that. I it almost feels Ooh, like got you. I stumped the Joey. Wow, yeah, no clue. Yeah, you stumped me. Thank you. Yeah, okay. which is way cooler than stumping the trunk. I oh, hope pff, so. Yes, yes, but mostly because after I stumped you, you didn't talk about yourself for the next five minutes. Yeah, and I don't have any uh, prizes to give you that isn't Michael Schenker related, I suppose. So. Yeah, yeah. No no UFO talk, please. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, perfectly rated UFO. Let's see what I got here. Oh, um, oh by the way, by the way, yeah. six million plus worldwide this album is sold, but it's considered a failure. So. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, I think like I was, I mean, the user illusions, I think, did eight million each. And they were like, oh, it didn't sell as much as Appetite. Combined, close, right? Yeah, jeez. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Luce, have I, uh, have I helped you out in any way? Is there anybody you're actually going to check out for real because of this episode? I think so. I mean, obviously, I need to hear all of them. But just in from this conversation alone, it just reminded me to go check out more of Michael Monroe, um, maybe a little bit more of New York Dolls, you know, Henry Rocks. Uh, and check out Fear as well, uh, you know, just out of curiosity between for the fact that he was with Megadeth too. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's basically going to be uh, my my journey after this episode. Sounds good. I'm happy then. <laughs> I'm glad you're. Oh, and I also got to check out uh, like Charles Manson Greatest Hits. <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. So when this album came out, before we get out of here, I got to do this because I, I couldn't let it go without talking about this. Uh, I'm an old school Howard Stern fan, uh, not so much nowadays, but definitely old school Howard Stern sure. fan. And when this album first came out, and he's a, he was a big Guns N' Roses fan too, of course, like a lot of people. Uh, definitely commenting on the fact that they were making news based on the Charles Manson ghost track on the album. Here. Now, what do you think about that, by the way? No, I just think it's bullshit. It's the same thing with One in a Million. I really think that Axel threw those lyrics in to stir up some controversy as well. Yeah, so, I mean, covering Charles Manson definitely got him in the news. But uh, the thing that Howard Stern did that I thought was actually pretty genius at the time is that, you know, when radio shows used to put, like, a, kind of a battle of the bands, like sure. somebody's new song and somebody else's new song up yep, against yep. each other. So they had tracked down the Charles Manson original with this and <laughs> played it played it back to back with one of David Koresh's songs. <laughs> so, 
I didn't know Dave Koresh had a musical career. Yeah, he was a failed rock musician, so they, they found his uh, folk jams, just like Charles Manson had his own folk jams. And they had a call in, like, hey, uh, battle of the bands, who's winning here, Manson or Koresh? So I always think of that when it comes to that part where I turn off the album once the Charles Manson song hits. All right, so we're not going to track down either of those records. We're Good. not playing those on the show. <laughs> I just wanted to point the bit out. I couldn't find it on YouTube. I was so disappointed. Well, if you if you download either of those singles off of Amazon, the uh, the government comes to your house and arrests you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, Luce, I want to thank you for coming on Rock Strikes 10 this week. It's always a pleasure when you come on. It's always a lot of fun, too. Yes, yes. I am uh, very happy to be here and uh, being invited on your show. We'll have you back again at some point when we need facts and structure. So thank you, sir. All right, and thanks for recording this, by the way. I'm going to go on record saying thank you for... Uh, that's the only way you're on this week is that you actually were able to record it. So thank you so much. <laughs> that's right. When you figure out your computer, let me know. And there you have it, my recent conversation with Luce Cannon from the Cobras and Fire podcast. Go subscribe to that show. It's one of my favorite podcasts in the entire world. Top five, easy. I stay current on it, and i got to say, that's saying something for someone like me that has limited time to listen and do things uh, over the course of the week, at least until I find a better uh, line of work. But yeah, Cobras and Fire, do yourself a favor. It's super fun. All right. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. If you're still listening, you are truly a friend of mine. Thanks for putting up with my limited technology and sound quality this week. I hope you enjoyed the music. If you were inspired to go out and grab anything because of this episode, please let me know. I'm, I'm easy to find. I'm on Facebook. You can message me on there on the, either the personal page or of, on the Rock Strikes 10 page, which I prefer, uh, you know, on Twitter at Rock Strikes 10, spelled out T-E-N. Uh, other links you can find on cnjradio.com, where you'll find every episode of Rock Strikes 10, including the ones that aren't currently on iTunes. While you're on there, stick around for all of the great podcasts we have on cnjradio.com, including The Synaptic featuring Randy Brown, a true alternative. I bet his best of the year is coming up pretty soon. Also, the flagship, the Wrestling House Show with myself and my CNJ radio partner, Chris. Chris makes all the things happen here, and it's always a fun conversation. If you're a fan of pro wrestling or know someone who is a fan of pro wrestling, hip them to the Wrestling House Show. It truly is a wrestling podcast, unlike any other. Also, Chris's show, Last Theater, going to have a lot of episodes in the upcoming year. There's still some fun stuff up there for you to enjoy, so go check out The Last Theater. And the most recent addition to the cnjradio.com family, Talking Rock with Mark and Joey. That is happening. Episode 1 is out, currently on iTunes, ready for you to subscribe and enjoy. For right now, it is just called Talking Rock. Do a search engine for Talking Rock CNJ Radio. If you type in Talking Rock CNJ Radio for right now on iTunes, there will be a direct link there. Please subscribe to the show. It's a fun conversation. The shows aren't too long, which, uh, you know, if you have to divvy out your time and free time, and, and it's perfect if you have like a half hour commute. So check out Talk and Rock right there. And uh, it is a pleasure to be doing a show with Mark Striegel, who's one of the original metal and rock podcasters out there. Great guy, Mark. And we've got I Am Vinyl coming up very soon. That'll be, uh, of course, I'll promote the shit out of that once it happens. So big things doing here on cnjradio.com, the home of all things rock culture. And before we get out of here, last but not least, extra special thanks to Pete and the guys from Space Beard for the awesome outro that we play on every episode. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband. 
purchase their latest album Gone and tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. Right. So many great episodes even before the year is up, leading up to our best albums of 2018 at the beginning of the year. Because over here, we do not do our best of the albums year-end list until the ball drops. All right. We'll see you guys on the next one. Have fun.